Thanks. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll read there 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I, I love to see people baptized. I love that. I love both hours. We've had people baptized. And I don't doubt there are people here who have trusted Christ as Savior and you need to follow in believer's baptism. And if you'll come see us at Connection Point or fill out a connection card with that information, we'll help you to follow in uh, believer's baptism. What a beautiful picture of what Christ has done for you. And uh, Friday night is the men's uh, barbecue dinner, and I want to invite you men to come. Today's the last day to buy tickets, and I'd love for you to come. I'll be there. I would love for you to participate as well. Ronnie Hill, a friend of mine, uh, is going to speak, and he'll, man, he just has a, he just sees a lot of people come to Christ in his ministry, and if you know someone who needs Christ as Savior, if you'll invite them to that, maybe buy them a ticket, God may well use that to help them come to know Christ as their Savior as well. Well, let's read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to, it's kind of a long passage, so open your Bibles. And if you're following me online, open your Bibles as well. And let's read that passage in a moment. I'm going to talk about suffering for Christ. And let me just kind of start by talking about why do bad things happen? And why is there suffering in this world? And I want to mention, let me just mention four reasons. One is because we live in a fallen, broken world. This is a fallen, broken world. And as soon as sin entered the world, with it came death and disease and problems and difficulties and struggles. And so sometimes while we don't know any other answer than that, we know this world is affected by sin and that it is a broken, fallen world. And sometimes bad things happen because we do the wrong thing. We, do make, we make a bad choice and a bad result happens. If I uh, get drunk and drive a car and, and injure myself, then I can't say, well, why did that happen? I know that I did a, made a terrible choice and ended up ter- affecting myself. Or sometimes bad things happen because someone else does what's wrong and it affects us. And I've watched with dismay, I guess is the right word, dismay, uh, the events unfolding in the Ukraine. And I've watched as people, many civilians who have suffered through no fault of their own. And they've faced this great adversity because of other people, what other people have done, wrongs that they have done, and it affects them. And so in our world, all of those are reasons. But there's a fourth reason. And sometimes bad things happen because we follow Christ. And in this broken, fallen world, following Christ is not always the easy way. God describes it like a narrow road, not the wide road, and uphill, not downhill. And sometimes following Christ itself brings difficulty around the world today. Around the world today, Christians are facing persecution and suffering and problems because they're following the Lord. Now, we We kind of lose sight of that in the freedoms we have here, but I'm just telling you around the world, there's such great suffering and persecution in our world and people who are willing to follow the Lord even though the cost is great. And so I want to talk about this as we look at a long passage from Paul. Will you keep your Bibles open? Let's follow all the way. We're going to start with verse 16 and go through the end of that chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 16. Paul, speaking to the church of Corinth, he says this, I repeat, let no one consider me a fool, but if you do, at least accept me as a fool so that I can also boast a little. What I am saying is this, uh, what I am saying in this matter of boasting, I don't speak as the Lord would, but as it were foolishly. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. For you, being so wise, gladly put up with fools. In fact, you put up with it if someone enslaves you, If someone exploits you, if someone takes advantage of you, if someone is arrogant toward you, if someone slaps you in the face, I say this to our shame, we've been too weak for that. But in whatever anyone dares to boast, I'm talking foolishly, I also dare. 
Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one with far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death. Verse 25. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I face dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing, not to mention other things. There's the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who's made to stumble? and I do not burn with indignation. If boasting is necessary, I'll boast about my weaknesses. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows I'm not lying. In Damascus, a ruler and a king, Eridus, guarded the city of Damascus in order to arrest me. So I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Well, there's a long list of sufferings and difficulties Paul faced. Here's the, here's the principle I want you to get with me this morning. Following Christ can lead to sacrifice, hardship and difficulties, but it's worth it. Following Christ can lead to sacrifice, hardship, and difficulties, but it's worth it. And so I want to note four ways that we can suffer for Christ, four principles. And if you're a note taker, you won't find a simpler outline than this, just four simple points. Would you write these down? Let's note these together. First, would you note we suffer purposefully, purposefully. God made you for a purpose. If you're saved, you're saved for a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And in these opening verses that we read, beginning with verse 16 here, we'll notice a couple of words that kind of stand out, the word wisdom and weakness. And so Paul is saying here, I'll be considered foolish to point you to God's wisdom. And let's just tell you that the Bible says the wisdom of God is foolishness to the, to the world and to the age, and that's never been more true than in our generation where following Christ seems like a foolish thing to do. Why not chase whatever the world chases, follow whatever the world follows, do whatever the world does? That's the, that's the um, common wisdom of our age, and yet the Bible says this is uh, foolishness uh, by God. God wants you instead to have wisdom, and wisdom at its heart is seeing things as God sees them. And did you know God wants you to have wisdom and you can't have wisdom? Did you know you can have wisdom? The Bible says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously, who gives generously and it will be done. God will give you, grant you, provide for you wisdom. He wants you to see his perspective. And yet many are living in the foolishness of this age. Can I just say as bluntly as I can, the generation we live in is filled with foolishness, and silliness from the perspective of God. And if we could see God's perspective and his wisdom, God wants you to have that. So uh, years ago now, I got a chance to, be, to fly in a hot air balloon. Can you believe that? So Larry Richmond, who was a pastor here on staff for years, great guy. Somehow he got, some, he got to go in a hot air balloon and he took me along. And so we, got, we went to the mall. Do you remember there used to be malls in America? Do you remember that? And there's a, down the road, there's a mall. We got in the, uh, into the hot air balloon and they um, light the fire, you know, and the 
air heats up and, you know, pretty soon they let go of the ropes and off we go. And you're going the speed of the wind and there was very light wind that day anyway. And so you don't hear anything much and you just get higher and you see a different perspective. And we were looking down on the mall and then the streets and, and uh, through the neighborhoods and then into a, landed on a golf course, uh, kind of a, it's kind of a bogey, but we landed in the golf course there. And man, what an exciting thing to see. And everything I saw from the air, I had seen from the ground. I mean, I'd seen all of the places, at least from the ground. I'd seen all the streets, all the places, but there was something very different about seeing it from the air. And we tend to see everything from the world's perspective. We just see what's right there in front of us, but we miss God's perspective. And God in heaven wants us to have wisdom and to see his perspective and how wise you would be to view the world from God's perspective instead of just as the world says you ought to see it. How foolish our generation is. And Paul said, I'll be considered foolish so that you'll see the wisdom of Christ. And then he says, I'll be considered weak to point you to God's strength. And there's a difference between weakness and strength, but the Bible tells us when we think we're strong, that's when we're weak because we don't depend upon God. And when, we're, when we recognize how frail we are, how weak we are, and can I just tell you, sometimes God uses circumstances and some of the difficulties of this day to remind us how frail we are, how fragile we are, how weak we are, how short our lives are. And when we recognize that and we depend upon God, that's when we find strength. And all the strength of God, Paul's saying, here, I want you to find the strength of God. I want you to see the perspective of God. And the Corinthian church that is, in so many ways, was being affected by these people. You may remember from previous weeks, people who were called, who Paul called kind of facetiously super apostles, who were teaching false doctrine, who were leading the church astray. And Paul is saying, I want you to find God's wisdom, not the foolishness of this age. I want you to find God's strength, not the weakness of depending upon yourself. And as you do that, there is a truth and a power to that. Let me just tell you, there is a, God wants you to live with purpose. And suffering can sometimes just help us to crystallize how we see our world. And the difficulties of life can help us to see our purpose more clearly. Listen, the church of the Lord Jesus has great power because God, the Holy Spirit, lives in believers. Did you realize that? We don't depend upon our strength. God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us when we trust Christ as Savior we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And so we can face problems and difficulties and challenges and whatever struggle you're facing, whatever pain you brought from your past, whatever mistakes you've made, whatever, whatever failures, we can trust the strength of the Lord. Can I say that's true for the church as a whole? God is doing a work in our church, and I am excited to see what God is doing. And as we depend upon the Lord, we're not, listen, we are not dependent upon the pastor of the church. It's not a, we're not a pastor-driven church. We're not, we love all of our life group teachers, but we're not dependent upon our life group teachers or your skills or talents or abilities, but upon the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we follow God, God will work in us and through us. All of us are weak and all of us are frail and all of us are fragile. And the more we see the truth of life, the more we'll see that in our own reality. But God made you for a reason. There's a purpose to your life, and even your suffering has purpose. We often say here, don't waste your pain. And God will use the problems and the pain and the difficulty to help you to see the purpose for which he made you and the purpose for which he saved you and the church and church the purpose that he has for our church to make an impact in this world for his glory. And there's a second principle to note. We suffer willingly. We suffer willingly. So um, Paul talks here in the following verses 
beginning in verse 21, about, uh, he says, I'm talking foolishly. He talks about, are these super apostles Hebrews? Well, I am too. And are they Israelites? I am too. The sins of Abraham, do they have the advantages? I have all those advantages. And Paul's saying, I gave up every honor and privilege and advantage for Christ. He was a Pharisee. He could have had all the power that comes with being a Pharisee. He gave it up for Christ. He had great education, tremendous education, brilliant man. He gave all of that up. All the honor, all the privilege, all the advantage that came with that, he gave it up for Christ. All his background, all his influence, all of that he gave up for the cause of Christ. But he also gave it up, not just for the cause of Christ, but for others. He's saying to the church, I gave up all of all the advantages I have, all the honors, all the privilege, all the advantages for others. Who does that? I have not, I'm not like a big uh, British Royals fan. I don't know much about the royalty. I don't follow the weddings and stuff very much. Some of you love that. God bless you. I'm just, I just, you, maybe you grew up following, um, reading books about princesses and princes and such and great, you know, if you like that. I just, I don't care much about it. I don't find it very interesting um, to tell you the truth, I'm really glad I live in a country where you can rise and fall on your own hard work and sacrifice and ability and effort, and that, there's some great advantages to that, and that's been uh, unknown in many parts of our world, and not just based on what your parents did or your, the state, the status of your birth. I, I really appreciate that. Having said that, I noticed some of the royalty, and that's not very, you'll know the names and stuff. I, just, I noticed some of them gave up their privilege of royalty uh, for other, they just renounced it, I suppose, and um, for other reasons. Now, don't feel sorry for them. I noticed they got paid millions of dollars to do interviews. I think they'll be okay. They're not going to get too hungry, it doesn't look like. They'll be okay. But they gave up some of their privileges for something else. Well, it's nothing compared to what Paul has done here, or even what could happen in your own life. I was thinking recently about James and Sonia Heron. I love the Herons. They're just some of my favorite people in the world. And some of you know they're missionaries in Uganda, and they came from our church family. Can I just say parenthetically, would you consider going on, somewhere down the line, consider going on a mission trip with our church? There's something about that. It'll change your perspective. You'll see our country differently. You'll see the, the opportunities of the world differently. God will use you in another place, consider going on a mission trip, sacrifice some of your time and money and go on a mission trip. And some of you younger uh, men and women ought to consider the possibility of going on a two-year journey in the journeyman program with the International Mission Board or something along those lines and serve as God leads you. I mean, I'm not the Holy Spirit in your life, but as God leads you, at least consider that possibility that God would have you serve for a time in missions. But sometimes God has some, not all, but has a few service career missionaries. And the herons who were right here in our church, living here in suburbia, got called to career missions. The Herons lived in suburbia, and there's some nice things about suburbia. I mean, if you want to, you can just drive a little, not too far. Now, I, I, re I realize it costs a lot more money to drive now than it used to just uh, recently, so you'll have to, but if you want to drive just a few miles, it'll cost you only a few hundred dollars to drive a few miles, but if you go just a few miles, you can go, if you don't want to eat at something you have at home, Someone will cook food for you. You can get all kinds of different hamburgers. You don't like one hamburger, somebody else will cook you a different kind. You can get chickens and all, all, all kinds of foods. 
People will do that for you in suburbia. You can drive five or ten miles. I mean, just a few thousand dollars. You can drive 20 miles, and you could get food from all, all kinds of things. That's the kinds of things we have in suburbia. And the Herons left suburbia. They started going on mission trips with our church, and then they started leading mission trips with our church, and then they got called to serve as career missionaries. James had already gone to seminary. He'd already been involved in ministry with our state association, and so he, and they've served these last many years now in Uganda as career missionaries. And let me tell you something. They sold their home, north side of town, sold all their furniture, sold their house. Did you know nobody made him do that? Like, I didn't say to him, you know, you guys, I've noticed you weren't paying attention really well in the sermons, and so you have to go to Uganda to serve as missionaries. And which, by the way, if I started doing that, there'd be a lot more of you going to become missionaries in other countries if I started that. But nobody made them. They went willingly. We don't, we don't make people give here. We don't get to tax. I sometimes think, you know, there's some advantage. But we don't tax anybody. People give willingly. We don't make anybody serve. The people who serve in vacation Bible school, they do it willingly. I mean, they, sometimes they don't know what they're getting into, but they do it willingly. Nobody makes them. Our life group teachers, willingly. The people serving behind the scenes, willingly. And there are people for the cause of Christ who have just said, I'm going to, Paul, nobody made Paul go through all of these problems. He just did it willingly, on his own, out of his purpose, saying, God made me for a reason, and God saved me for a reason, and God has called me for a reason, and I'm willingly going to serve for Christ and for others. I tell you, when you, when you out, of the, out of your own heart, decide, I'm going to be willing to suffer for the cause of Christ, I'm going to sacrifice willingly, which brings me to point three. We suffer sacrificially. Would you write that down? We suffer sacrificially. And in the text, beginning with verse 24, those next five or six verses are just a list of all the things Paul went through, all the sacrifices he made. The Bible says five times, Paul says, five times I received 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. That's 39 if you're mathematically challenged. That's what that means. So five different times he got 39 lashes. That's the most you could get. 39 lashes, five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. I don't know if that's better, but it doesn't sound very pleasant either. Three times. Once he received a stoning. The Old Testament sense of being stoned, he got stoned. He th three times, not just once, three times he was in shipwrecks. He spent a whole night and a day, he said, in the open sea. He faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from his own people, and on and on. He just, all the problems, all the difficulties, the daily pressure of concern for the churches. He said, I went through all of this. I sacrificed. Let me just note three things about sacrifice. Paul's saying, I'm willing to sacrifice for Christ. I'm willing to sacrifice for Christ. Are you? Let me, let me, can I tell you something? Christ sacrificed for you. Christ sacrificed for you. Christ died on the cross for your sins. For your sins. He took those nails for, for you. The crown of thorns was rightfully yours. The lashes on his back for you. God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He paid our debt. It wasn't his debt. It was ours he paid. 
He died for our sins. Christ sacrificed for you. And one of the reasons God calls us to sacrifice is in response to the sacrifice God made for us. And I don't want us to ever forget the sacrifice he made for us. How, how terrible for us to forget, those of us who named the name of Christ, what Christ did on our behalf and the sacrifice he made for us. And Paul said, I'm willing to sacrifice for Christ. He said, I'm willing to sacrifice for the spread of the gospel. For the spread of the gospel. It is, it is abnormal. It is abnormal to know Christ as Savior and not care whether anyone else comes to know the Lord or not. That is, that is abnormal. In the New Testament, you see people who trust Christ as Savior with this deep burden for others. Deep burden for others. The parable of the, of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son remind us of the value of caring about those who aren't here yet. How abnormal it is for those of us who know Christ as Savior to say, you know, I'm so glad I found that bread. Even though I was a beggar, I found that bread. But I don't care about whether any of the other beggars find out about this or not. It doesn't, I mean, it's all the same to me either way. It doesn't matter really deeply to me. How abnormal is that? And the longer you're in Christ, listen, Christian, the longer you're in Christ, the more danger it is for you to begin to only care about what's in it for me. What do I get? What do I like? What are the things that, you know, I, I feel like I'd like to have out of this? And we can forget about those who aren't here yet. And we can become, we can become self-centered and self-focused even as believers and stop caring about little boys and girls and men and women who've never heard the gospel. Stop caring about people who aren't here yet. How abnormal is that? And Paul said, I'm going to sacrifice for Christ because he sacrificed for me and I'm, going to, I'm willing to sacrifice for the spread of the gospel. I want people near and far to hear the good news of the gospel. And then Paul said, I'm willing to sacrifice for you. He said to the church of Corinth, man, this matters. I care about you. And there means that there'll be some suffering if I'm going to care about you. You know, love makes you vulnerable. And he said, I'm going to be vulnerable because I'm going to be willing to face all the pain that comes with love because I care about you. And God wants that for us. I thought about our church building as I came in uh, this morning. It's going to be a beautiful day, but Start out just a little bit on the chilly side. Maybe you knew that. Perhaps you were aware there was a time change. Came in a little bit, um, you know, a little darker than usual, a little tired, maybe a little grumpier than I should have been. And I came in this morning and I thought, oh, I'm so cold and I'm so glad there's a building. Now, the church, our church is not a building, it's people. But I'm very glad the people of this church had the foresight to build a building. I am very thankful for that. It's very helpful for us. And on this morning, had we met outside, uh, it would have been a very, it would have been a very chilly experience. I'm glad they had the foresight to say, you know, someday it's going to be hot and maybe we'd like to have a building. You know, it'd be nice if we could meet in, inside on the days when it's raining or there's hail or there's some sleet. A very, very convenient thing. Do you know how the church, how these church buildings happen? Some of you are a little newer to our church family. Do you know how these church buildings happen. Let me tell you, you, you will not believe this. One night, overnight, it's just like a mushroom. The building just appeared. That was just out of nothing. That's not what happened, is it? Long ago, and throughout the years, for, for years and years and years, we've, we've always been in a building program, and people sacrificed for the cause of Christ and for the spread of the gospel and for you. And they didn't even know you. And I've watched over the years of people, as people have sacrificed, they've given their tithe 
and beyond. And they've sacrificed convenience, things they could have spent on themselves for Christ and for the spread of the gospel and for you. Willingly, they did that. Out of a sense of purpose, they did that. But they sacrificed for you. Don't scrape the word sacrifice from your Bible. Don't, don't scratch that out of your Bible. Often the Bible talks about sacrifice. The Lord sacrificed for us. And he reminds us of the sacrifice. Our lives are to be living sacrifices for him. That's what the Bible tells us. To live our lives as a sacrifice for him. And that is the story of the early church, a church that was willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ. And really, it's the story of this church. And so we suffer purposefully, and we suffer willingly, and we suffer sacrificially. But there's a fourth principle I want you to note. Don't, don't, don't miss this one. We suffer victoriously, victoriously. Now, this one matters deeply. So Paul has talked here about all the problems and all the difficulties, and you say, that doesn't seem much like victory. I mean, the 39 lashes, five times, doesn't seem like victory. The rods, that only happened three times, but still, does not seem much like victory. The stoning does not seem much like victory, and on and on and on. But what Paul is saying here is, I'm weak, but God is strong. He's saying, man, I've gone through difficulties, and I am weak, and I'm reminded of the fragility of my own life, and I'm reminded that I only have a limited amount of time in this world, and I'm reminded of how weak I am, but I'm reminded that the Lord is strong. And may I remind you that God uses our difficulties and our suffering and our struggles to, to point to the victory of the Lord, that He is strong enough, that He is strong enough. Whatever you're facing, whatever problem you have from your past, you brought some problem with you to this place. And you say, man, that is so big. I'll never be able to overcome this. I was harmed. I was wronged. I was hurt. Or I brought my own baggage. I did it to myself. Or whatever it is, I brought that, and I'll never be able to overcome it. But the Lord in you can. And you can find the victory, the strength that comes from him. Whatever weakness, whatever pain, whatever problems, whatever difficulties, bring that weakness to the Lord. He doesn't call you because you're strong. He doesn't say, you know, I'm going to save you because you're so good. He knows your weakness better than anyone. He knows your sinfulness. He knows your need. And he saves you by his great grace. And he doesn't call you to his service because he said, you know, everything about your life is so perfect. You've got it all together. That's why I'm going to use you. God loves to use the weak of this world to accomplish his purposes. And when we are weak, we find the victory that comes in seeing the strength of the Lord. But I want you to see this as well. We suffer and sacrifice knowing that victory is coming. Knowing that victory is coming. And our service to the Lord is always in the light of his victory. So I want you to open, hold your place where you are, but I want you to go back a few verses, a few chapters, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. A few months ago, we were in this great chapter of the Bible. And in this chapter, chapter 4, will you just follow a couple of verses there? I want to read beginning with verse 7. And in those verses, if you remember from months ago, or if you haven't haven't noted these, I want you to see in anticipation of what's coming in chapter 11. Let's go back to chapter 4. In verse 7, the Bible says this, we have this treasure, that's the treasure of the gospel, we have this treasure in clay jars. He's speaking of our human bodies. Frail, fragile, our, our bodies tend to crack and break. 
we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way. Anyone here afflicted? We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed. Any of you here perplexed? But not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Now skip down to verse 16. In verse 16, Paul says, Therefore we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed, that clay jar, our inner person is being renewed day by day. And then verse 17. For our momentary light affliction... Now that momentary light affliction he's talking about is seen in chapter 11. 39 lashes, three times beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked, all the difficulties, the dangers, robbers. and He calls it momentary light affliction. How can it be momentary light affliction? These sound like incredibly difficult things in comparison to eternity. Momentary light affliction. Note verse 17. Our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So it seems as though, man, we are just defeated by our problems. Our past, that just defeats us. But no, we're not defeated by that. Those are light momentary afflictions. There is an incomparable eternal weight of glory that God gives us in heaven one day. So that the problems we face now, our past, our pain, our difficulties, our struggle, our affliction, our perplexions, these things are small, momentary light affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory, the incomparable eternal weight of glory that God has for us. And Paul said in uh, chapter 11, he said in verse 33, so I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. It's the story of when Paul was in Damascus, and in Damascus, he was uh, a new believer, and he started really growing in his faith, and he had some people who poured into him and helped him in what we call discipleship, and Paul began to grow in his faith, and he started sharing the message of the gospel, and persecution came, and the, the authorities didn't like much the spread of the gospel, and Paul just kept preaching and teaching, and so a king named um, Eridus decided he was going to get rid of Paul and arrest him. And so some friends, uh, knowing what was coming, they put Paul in a basket and they lowered him down through a window out in the wall all the way down to the ground where he could escape and go on to freedom. And Paul, of course, found this victory. God provided for him victory. Can I just tell you, though, had the victory, had he not gotten a basket, had he not found out about the plot, had he not been saved that day, had he been caught, had he been thrown in prison, he would have still had, vic had victory from the Lord because of the promise of God, the in the incomparable eternal weight of glory. So sometimes um, I don't watch the British Royals much, but I watch sports. I just feel like it's my obligation. I force myself to watch some sports once in a while. And so I watch sports sometimes, and sometimes when I have a team that, I'm really, that I really care about, you know, a game that I'm really wound up about, instead of watching it then, what I'll do is I'll push that little record button, and I'll just record the show. And then I'll find out later. I just go on with my business, and I find out later if my team won or lost. And if they lost, I just don't even bother to watch. But if they won, then I'll watch the game. And I notice as I watch the game, sometimes my team will fall behind. But I don't get too worried because I know it's coming. And sometimes the refs don't always call the game like I wish they had in favor of my team. Or things don't always go as I would have wanted them to go. I don't get too worried because I know what's coming. And in this life, man, there is brokenness and pain and sometimes things don't go as I like it to go. 
And sometimes things don't work out like I'd like them to work out. And sometimes it seems like the enemy is winning. But I, listen, I know the incomparable eternal weight of glory. And so I can say about the problems of life, they are light and momentary afflictions. Because I know it's coming an eternal, incomparable weight of glory. And so, I, man, do we have suffering in this world? Yes. Are there problems in this world? Cobbs. But we face our life with victory, even in the middle of the problems, because we know the promises of God and the reality and the hope of the Lord and the victory he gives. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer? And as we pray, some of you are here who need to be saved. You need to repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ who can save you. Christ died on the cross for you. Christ rose from the grave for you. Can I give you that reminder? Christ rose from the grave for you. And because of that, victory can be yours. You can have that victory of salvation today if you'll give your life to Christ. Christian, maybe you're going through some difficulties and struggles. And if you're not now, you, you will soon enough in this world. But can I remind you that we suffer even with purpose. God uses his purpose even in our difficulties. And we can suffer willingly. We can sacrifice for the cause of Christ who sacrificed for us. And we can do all of that in the light of victory because of who Christ is and what he's done. Would you say yes to him? Would you say, Lord, I want to follow you and live for you and find the victory that comes for you? Will you help me to live for you in this world? even in the face of problems, in the middle of problems, and some of you, I don't doubt, are in the middle of some great challenges right now, maybe even some difficulties that come because you're following the Lord. We just say, Lord, I want you. It is worth it. It is worth it. And God, I want to live a life that counts for you. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the truth it gives to us. Lord, there are people here who are struggling right now with it, whether or not to trust you as Savior. Would you draw them by the power of the Holy Spirit? to the only hope of life, that they would repent of their sins and place their trust in you and receive you as Savior. There are Christians here who are facing difficulties and challenges and struggles. Would you help them to trust you through this and even to be used by you in the middle of their pain and problems with the promise of victory ever before them? And we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.